When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Michigan is set to welcome the Fighting Illini from Illinois, a 10-0 and football team, putting it on the line against a Big Ten West foe, coming off a big win against Nebraska, 34-3. Last trip to the big house this calendar year, so a lot to be excited about. And coming up in just a few moments, we're going to be joined by Ronnie Bell, one of the captains and obviously a huge part of the success of this football team. All that to come on In the Trenches. Welcome to the official podcast of Michigan football, In the Trenches with John Jansen, presented by Meyer, presenting sponsor of the 2022 Michigan football season and proud supporter of hundreds of local sports teams across the Midwest. The former two-time captain and national champion covers the Wolverines better than anyone. The biggest thing is being where your feet are at. And so like, in particular, like right now, the biggest um, explanation of like being where your feet is is preparing uh, for Illinois. Like Ohio State's around the corner. That's what we've always talked about, but our feet right now are week 11 getting ready for Illinois. This is In the Trenches, presented by Meyer. Once again, here's John Jansen. Welcome back, friends. And uh, if you missed it, Already out, the radio replay of Inside Michigan Football. Jim Harbaugh stopped by, of course. Jesse Minter, defensive coordinator. And Mike Morris, quite possibly my favorite Wolverine right now. So make sure you go back and listen to it. Still to come, Defend the Block postgame episodes following both games in Brooklyn. Pittsburgh, obviously we know that opponent. And then it's going to be either Arizona State or VCU. Conquering Heroes on Thursday, continuing our Hall of Honor recognitions. Joan Postema, the first woman in UM history to win a gold medal uh, at the Olympics. And Ellen Tomek, star for the rowing program and one of two Michigan women who appeared in three Olympics. 
In the trenches on Friday are keys to the game as Michigan readies itself for the Fighting Illini. And as always, the post-game edition, the victorious post-game edition on Saturday after the game where you can hear Coach Harbaugh uh, commentary from myself, Brian Bush, Jason Avant, everybody that's a part of the team. That will come out shortly after the game on Saturday. But right now, I want to bring in the voice of Michigan basketball because they are off to a great start. That's Mr. Brian Bush. Hello, John. Yeah, basketball 2-0 and uh, on the men's and the women's side, which is great. And I just got to know, uh, for that locker room speech this week, will this be given to the entire Jansen household? Will your lovely wife, a proud Illinois grad, be listening how do you handle the in-house battle of the Jansen residents, Michigan versus Illinois? I don't have to handle it at all because my guys, my team, my program, my university will handle everything on Saturday. And yeah. as you know, I always said, let the pads do the talking and they will... It, it, I think this is going to be a great outing for Michigan yet again. And so there will be some friendly banter in the household. Uh, my father-in-law, who did play at Illinois, he was a football and basketball or baseball player there. Um, he's going to be in town. He'll awesome. be at the game. My wife is obviously going to be at the game. She's a, a U of I alum. And so there'll be some friendly banter. Uh, of course. Now, things have really changed. It went from potentially... Illinois have clinched the championship in the Big Ten West already to now not controlling their fate, basically needing to win. We'll, we'll talk about that a little more later, but what's the feeling of the Illini in your family? It can't be great. Well, I think they're, they're pretty realistic as, you know, I've been very bullish on Illinois this year, uh, even last year at the end of last year with Brett Bielema as their coach. What you're seeing the progression of, of a program that has gone from basically zero trying to build itself back up. They've got great facilities now. Brett Bielema is going to recruit up front offensive and defensive lines. He's going to, as we've seen with Chase Brown, they're going to be able to run the football, and now they're going to start piecing together everything else. So it's a program in the second year of a rebuild. You, I would expect that they're going to have some pitfalls along the way the last couple of weeks that's happened. But you know what? You can never take anyone for granted, and I know Michigan won't. 100%. So let's get into the discussions around Michigan football. We'll have plenty on Illinois coming up on Friday's episode. But here on 7 from 77, number one, you know, the quest for that best possible 60 minutes for Michigan, I think, still marches on. It's not quite on tape yet. But I, I do think the defense has been pretty close to it. So give fans some areas that you're still looking for some improvement from that Michigan defense. They're a little tougher to unearth than maybe the, the critiques of Michigan's offense or special teams. Well, I would say two things, and it, and it both revolve around the quarterback. And one is just getting to him earlier in the game. Michigan's been very good at you know breaking down protections and getting to quarterbacks in the third quarter and the fourth quarter has had some big sacks. I would like to see more pressure brought early in the game. Um, and whether it's just Michigan has been, for the large part, very not as aggressive. I don't want to say you know passive, but they just hasn't been as aggressive, and they're relying solely on the four guys, sometimes even three guys, to win one-on-one -on -one matchups. It's happened. I'd like to see it happen on a regular basis, but more pressure from the second level. Uh, that would be great. And then here's the other thing is 
when a quarterback breaks contain or a protection breaks down, there's no one to throw the ball to, do a better job of either closing off those running lanes, the escape routes, or do a better job of recognizing it's a run and coming up and making a stop. Too many first downs picked up by a quarterback that is just, there's just no one around him once he breaks that defensive line. So trying to minimize those first down pickups by by opponents' offenses, um, I think would be some areas where I'd like to see the defense be a little bit better at. Number two, let's talk about the offense. Jim Harbaugh was asked about it this week, and it, it's going to continue to be a topic of conversation. And, you know, he said what he said at times earlier this season, even last season. If the other team is not going to stop us running the ball, why would we stop? And that certainly was the case. Saturday's win against Nebraska, that thing was pretty much never in doubt. But what is your level of maybe concerns a little strong, but your level of hope for more? Hope to see more from Michigan's downfield passing game because you kind of hoped going into this pass game, no Luke Schoonmaker, then Donovan Edwards didn't play a whole lot. Maybe you'd see another receiver emerge beyond Ronnie Bell, and it, it just hasn't happened yet. Well, here's my hopes is that it will improve so that it takes a little bit of the strain off of Blake Corum. I'm fine with him getting his 30, 33, 28 this past game carries. But at some point, it's going to be one too many. And you don't want that to be down in Columbus. You don't want it to be in Indianapolis. And certainly, you don't want it to be in the, in, the, in the playoff game. So trying to take a little wear and tear off of him, uh, that is, is the, I think, the number one reason, being able to pick up first downs through the air. And quite honestly, from you know 5 to 15 yards, Michigan's been pretty good. I'd like to see more guys, and this is just in terms of route concept and route execution, be a little bit more open and not contested throws on those. But down the field, I mean, the throws have been there. And whether it's, hey, I've just overthrew Ronnie Bell a little bit, or in talking to Jason Avant during the broadcast, he mentioned, hey, the, the receivers need to continue to run. Don't look back so early, and it slows them down, slows the timing down, and then all of a sudden you're wondering why it's a half step away. Uh, and then for J.J. McCarthy, we heard Jim Harbaugh say it last week, he doesn't have to be perfect. When you've got an Andrew Anthony that's wide open downfield or a Cornelius Johnson, just put it out there. And you don't have to put it right on them. Let those receivers make it look like you hit them right in stride by adjusting their stride, adjusting what they're doing. So I'm not that concerned. I would like to see it more with more consistency, but they're there. And then here's the other thing. When you're looking at Blake Corum, who gets 162 yards and his longest run is 12 yards, we talked, Doug talked about this during the broadcast, CJ Stokes. I don't know the exact yardage, but he had runs of 17, 12, 14. Like what is the difference of doing that and picking up first downs, moving the change, as opposed to a 17-yard pass to Ronnie Bell or Roman Wilson for 12. You're getting the same yardage. Now, some of, some people would say, well, it shows something different. You're not always going to be able to run. I get that. But to Jim Harbaugh's point, it's not our job to stop ourselves. I think that's a, a key case of people want to see it because of what's to come. I think everybody knows that it's going to take a little bit more from a passing game for Michigan to beat Ohio State, beat the teams in the playoffs, but I don't think it has to make Michigan a passing team. 
Well, it doesn't, and, and people want to see it because that's what college football is right now. Michigan is not doing what everyone else does, and that's okay. Michigan have found great success, and they won a Big Ten championship, beat Ohio State with that game plan, and I think it's the perfect game plan to go on the road with, down to Columbus. Now, if you're down 10 points in any game, or if you're down two scores, then you're going to need to rely on the pass game, especially you start to get into the fourth quarter. you got to score quickly. That's where you're going to need it, and you'd like to be able to have that to fall back on. Number three on our seven from 77, distractions potentially coming up this weekend. Senior day is Saturday. Of course, it is the eve of the Ohio State game. Illinois, after leading the Big Ten West as of a couple of weeks ago, they're on a two-game skid. They no longer control their own destiny. Uh, there are some potential landmines. This team has done really well in these situations all season long. Any reason to believe that that would be different this week as things get closer to the game? No. I mean, this is a team that has handled their business. They've shown against inferior opponents, not playing down to their level. And, you know, people are going to argue, well, the first half of Rutgers, that was simply one play. There was a lack of focus. And I think the lesson learned is it can only take one play and it changes the course of a game. So lessons learned, but just in terms of the ones that you brought up, senior day, if anything, those seniors, those guys that could be playing their last game in the big house are going to be ultra focused. They want to make sure that they go out with a win. Everybody else on that roster wants to send uh, anybody playing their last game in the big house out with a win. So I think that one works in Michigan's favor. Um, it's the game before Ohio State. It, it is. But Illinois is not sneaking up on anybody this year. And here's the other thing. If you are preparing this week like you're playing Ohio State, I think you'll be able to beat Illinois. That 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 is is what everybody you know is wondering. Well, if you're preparing for Ohio State, how could you possibly beat Illinois? Well, I mean, it one is greater than the other. So if you're preparing to beat the greater one, you should be able to handle the lesser one. And uh, Illinois on a two game skid, you know, JJ addressed this last week about you know some people are saying the slow starts and you're going to get the best punch out of everybody every single time they play Michigan, especially when they get a chance to come in the big house. Illinois doesn't make that trip very frequently. Those kids, it's going to be the only time in their college football career they're going to play in front of 111,000 people. They're going to come in here and give you their their best punch. Illinois will always give you their best punch, just like you got from Nebraska, just like you got from Rutgers, because it's Michigan. And whether they're on a two-game skid, they're – you know, Big Ten West champs, whatever it might be, doesn't change that storyline, and it's going to continue to be the same thing. Number four, uh, these days with the eligibility questions and flexibility because of the COVID year, obviously you have red shirts, medical red shirts, whatever it might be. It's tough to know exactly who to celebrate and who not to celebrate on a senior day, but you think about those who will play their final game at the big house, even those who won't, but they've been here for a while. Some of them were at Columbus in 2018 when the Revenge Tour came to a crashing halt. Any non-transfer was here in 2020 when this program went 2-4, and four, and there was a lot of question about the future of this. For this group, a foundation for this program to overcome all of that and to now be going for a second consecutive Big Ten championship, a second consecutive trip to the college football playoff, and to have set goals to say, beat Michigan State, beat Ohio State, 
win the Big Ten, win the national championship, and nobody second-guess it or laugh about it, inside or out, right? They've reset the standard. What more can you say about that group? Again, we don't know who necessarily. We know a few guys who will be for sure. But for that group to do this, I mean, that is – few have had that type of an impact class-wise on the history of Michigan football. Yeah, and, and regarding eligibility, I know who and we know who all the freshmen are this year. So everyone else is a non-freshman. That's how we classify them. Correct. And if they're going to be back. Freshmen not, and veterans. Yeah, freshmen <laughs> and veterans. Freshmen and everyone else. And if they're on the roster next year, they got eligibility. They got That's the winged all helmet. That I Correct. care about <laughs> because it really is. I mean, like we talked to Ronnie Bell earlier in the year. Ronnie Bell could graduate here with two master's degrees, have a, you know, a semester or two towards a PhD. I mean, there's, yeah. there's just so much going on, but in regards to, you know, the preparation going down to, you know, uh, and, and playing in that game. I think there's there's a lot to look forward to. All right, we'll react to everything around the college football world here momentarily. First, though, a message from Meyer, the presenting sponsor of In the Trenches, the 2022 Michigan football season, and hundreds of teams across the Midwest. John? Well, Brian, as you know, it's not Thanksgiving without pumpkin pie. I love pumpkin pie season, and Meyer's pumpkin pies are fresh-baked, rich and creamy with a delicate flaky crust and their signature blend of cinnamon nutmeg and other traditional spices take home a classic pumpkin pie from the meyer bakery and serve a delicious classic simple dessert your family and guests will make room for after turkey and stuffing meyer is a proud supporter and fan of the 2022 michigan football season all right, number five on our seven from seventy-seven. I agree. By the way, pumpkin pie. Remember our remember our Thanksgiving uh, draft a few years ago. Oh, we did. Yeah, we don't do that anymore because you know Michigan's playing really well, so that's probably good for everybody involved. But I think pumpkin pie went pretty high. Pumpkin pie went high, but don't forget too with pump with uh, Thanksgiving right around the corner. Uh, as we prepare for the Big Ten championship game, we will have the opportunity for a Thanksgiving Day smoothie. Mm, that's right. A leftover smoothie. Maybe a little video component, a little in the trenches <laughs> extra. I'm sure Meyer would be a little confused about their partnership then, but you know what? I, I have faith that they'll stick with us. Uh-huh. Anywho, let's stay on the task at hand. Big 10, number five on our seven from 77, and we're going to start with Ohio State as that's what we're locked in on here. The players have one more to focus on with Illinois, but Ohio State, as expected, dominates Indiana 56-14. to C.J. Stroud throws for five touchdowns. I was surprised they are almost a four-touchdown favorite at Maryland this weekend. Terps got blown out by Penn State, but Maryland's, I think, a pretty decent Big Ten team. Ohio State shouldn't have any long issues in that game, but your impressions of what you saw in a game where Ohio State did get a little banged up with Mayan Williams leaving due to injury. Yeah, and I know that they went to the run game a little bit earlier than they had against uh, Northwestern the week prior. Uh, You mentioned Williams had 15 carries, 147 yards, so they are finding success on the ground, and it, well, this is going to come down to, in another week, yes, they're they're not going to underestimate Maryland in that trip to Maryland, especially with the lessons they learned a few years ago and how easily they can let something get away. But right now, I know Maryland's a little bit banged up as well, and it's that, it's that time where Ohio State, even if it's close, Probably isn't going to play a full complement of players just simply so they can get healthy. Anybody with a nick, cut, scratch, bruise, boo-boo, whatever it is, they're going to make sure that they're ready to go for Michigan. But uh, it's 
This one, in my opinion, when Ohio State travels to College Park, is going to be a formality. Penn State mentioned they took care of Maryland pretty emphatically. Uh, If they win their final two, and it's at Rutgers and home against Michigan State, so they'll be pretty significant favorites in both, you figure they're almost a shoo-in for a New Year's Six game. And if both Michigan and Ohio State make it to the playoff, they could go to the Rose Bowl. Uh, and it helps Michigan and Ohio State that Penn State has looked good against pretty much everybody else. Yeah, it does. The bad thing is that the Big Ten, other than those three teams, is pretty down. So, you know, what do those other wins mean? That, that we'll see from the college football playoff committee again this week how they rank them um, and what their what their conversation is about one, two, three, and four. Why they're ranked where they are. Um, I do think, and I like where your head's at, that two Big Ten teams get into the college football playoffs. I think it would be really neat um, to to not only get the game once, but could we possibly get the game twice? And if it's a, you know, if if Ohio State, I don't, the, the problem is maybe Michigan or Ohio State end up four. The loser of the game gets four, and then obviously the winner stays at two or three. Both of them win the semifinal game. We could have another one for the national champion. I mean, adding that to Damn. that rivalry would be the ultimate. I mean, hey, remember in college basketball, for the first time ever, we saw Duke and North Carolina play in a Final Four. How about Ohio State and Michigan? It's going to happen at some point. Yeah. Why not this year? Oh, be great. All right, Big Ten West. There will be no national champion coming out of the Big oh. Ten West this season. Nobody. Not a single team fully controls its destiny. Beyond that, if you're asking me tiebreakers, uh, that's a you problem. I don't know. Right now, I don't really care. But Illinois, Purdue, Iowa, Minnesota, all four and three. Illinois finishes with, of course, the trip here to Ann Arbor this weekend, then at Northwestern. Purdue hosts Northwestern and is at Indiana. They probably have the easiest road Iowa's at Minnesota this week that's an elimination game the winner will have a real chance as Iowa finishes against Nebraska Minnesota at Wisconsin what do you make of it who finds their way to Indianapolis limping to the Big Ten championship yeah uh, you know I, I think you're right Purdue probably has the easiest path with Northwestern first Indiana second but that Purdue Indiana game is a rivalry sure. game and who knows what happens there I think Minnesota probably has the toughest route because they've got Iowa, as you mentioned, uh, uh, an elimination game, and then they've got to go to Wisconsin. So if if Minnesota were able to win both those games, they would come out, I think, as the most well-proven um, in terms of whoever's coming out of the West. But, I mean, let's face it. I think, uh, you know, James Franklin was caught doing push-ups. I think he was doing that simply so they could probably make a, a petition to say, hey, let's play in the West for one year. <laughs> It would it would help them uh, again? We've been saying it for weeks. If this isn't a perfect argument for why there should not be divisions yeah. moving forward once we get to the twelve team playoff, I mean, I'm not sure what argument uh, would be better than that. All right, number six on our seven from seventy seven, updating the other power conferences: SEC, Georgia, and LSU both locking down their divisions last week. Tennessee pulls away in the second half to beat Missouri 66-24. I think it was over 700 total yards for the Vols. They are in uh, style points mode because they will have two more games and their best that they can show at the end of the line is 11-1. So I would ask you this, John. Say everyone of that group, Georgia, LSU, and Tennessee, win out except for LSU 
beats Georgia and wins the SEC, you'd have Georgia 12-1, and Tennessee 11-1 with its lone loss to Georgia, and then LSU 11-2, SEC champs, but they will have lost to Tennessee, and it was a blowout too. What would frame your decision? What do you think the committee would take into account there? Because I don't think three could get in. That would be ridiculous. But but the SEC would have an argument for two. Yeah. Which two could it be? I think it will probably be LSU and Georgia. LSU because they're, they're, there has to be value in winning your conference. And I know that there will be, eventually, when we go to 12 teams, they get the automatic bid, but there's got to be value in winning your conference. And then Georgia, I mean, they're at number one right now. I I don't know that they lose to LSU, but I do think that um, if that happens, the course the, throughout the course of the year, they will have played probably the, the, the best schedule of those three to say, yeah, we've got to get in. And they, all are, they beat Tennessee head-to-head. Yeah, exactly. It'll be fascinating. Big 12, TCU. They keep humming along. They were a touchdown underdog, and they go to Texas, win 17-10. to That defense is legit. They finish at Baylor, home against Iowa State, then a Big 12 championship game, likely against Kansas State. The Wildcats have a one-game lead on three teams, and they finish with none of them. They're at West Virginia, then home against Kansas. Uh, does TCU finish this off? I think a lot of people viewed last week as the last true potential yeah. roadblock. Well, going to Baylor is no small task. I think TCU will handle that. And then Iowa State just not having a great year. Uh, and even Kansas State, I mean, that was one where, you know, you play against TCU and yeah, there's, you know, it, it was it was closer than some of the rest, but it still wasn't necessarily a great challenge. I wasn't a believer in TCU. I thought they were going to go to Austin last week and lose. Now that they've conquered that hurdle, I think you're looking at TCU going to the college football playoffs. They are only a three-point favorite at Baylor. So Vegas isn't totally all in on them being a top-five team from a spread standpoint. But, hey, give them credit. They keep winning. The Big 12, I think the bottom of the Big 12 is is maybe tougher than any league in America. Yeah. And they keep winning. They haven't slipped up. So if they get there, they will have most certainly earned it. Now, the ACC is interesting because we've talked a lot about Clemson, and understandably so. But Clemson will potentially, at 11-1, and face North Carolina, a team that is also 11-1 and as a potential. They have not gotten there yet, but they are 9-1 and at this point. Any chance, I don't think North Carolina, and I do think it's because of the name. If this were basketball, they'd have a better argument. Yeah. But can Clemson at 12-1, and one, they're, they're certainly getting helped by their other division in the ACC by having a viable potential top 10 team to play in Charlotte in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, when you're thinking about, obviously, the Big Ten and playing somebody in the Big Ten West for the Big Ten Championship – that's not a great selling point. It's not going to add to your resume when you're Clemson and you're, you know, eventually if you are 10 and one or 11 and one, and then you play uh, North Carolina who would have the same record, there's more to be said about that. But I think right now the, the ACC just doesn't carry the same weight as any of the other power five conferences. And you know, I know Clemson has been a national championship, you know, a national champion recently. I know that they have had this reputation of being a dominant program, but when you look and you say, well, they struggled with a lot of teams. They struggled with Wake Forest. They struggled with Syracuse. We're talking ranked teams, but I don't think they th- that that most of America looks at that as quality wins. And the ACC is not a quality conference. So 
I don't know that either of those teams gets in with one loss. And that's what we've been singing about Clemson for years. That one loss could cost them a trip to the college football playoffs. Crazy that each team's one loss is Notre Dame. That's wild. Yeah. Uh, Clemson finishes with Miami. Boy, the, the, Miami's in a tough spot. And then home against South Carolina, whereas UNC, they get Georgia Tech this weekend, but then they've got to host NC State. That is by that is nowhere close to a gimme in a rivalry game down there. So it uh, will be very interesting to watch. Lastly, Pac-12. Before we talk about, I think, potentially the, the team that has the clearest path at 12-1 and outside of the SEC to get to the college football playoff, Maybe the game of the weekend was Washington 37, Oregon 34. Mm-hmm. I wonder who at the Big Ten office was watching that game because that was a heck of a rivalry, and we all know it's an arms race. I don't think we're all naive in thinking it's going to be 16 forever in both the SEC and the Big Ten, and if those two schools are trying to get an invite somewhere else, that was one heck of a product to put out there. It was a great audition, um, and we'll see what happens. I mean, we, there's still some, some some hurdles, apparently, for UCLA yeah. to come to the Big Ten. I think it will eventually happen. But, yeah, Washington and Oregon, great game, uh, fun to watch, and former Big Ten quarterback uh, leading the charge for Washington and Michael Penix Jr. So, um, you know, that's the thing about the Pac-12 is they're – there are a good conference. There's some talented teams in the conference, and they've got a lot of individual talented players. They just keep eating themselves. They keep knocking each other off, and they have the longest stint of not being in the college football playoffs, and I think it's going to continue again this year. Well, their chance is USC. UCLA upset by Arizona of all teams. Didn't see that coming. So SC is the one one lost team left in the Pac-12, and they finish. They will have had to earn it at UCLA and then home against Notre Dame. Now, the Notre Dame thing is important because if USC goes 12-1 and and they have a win over Notre Dame, I don't see how there's any chance that they would be left out over a Clemson or a North Carolina. Just from the head-to-head, oh, yeah. no chance. And then they will have to play somebody in the Pac-12 championship game. Could be Oregon, could be UCLA, could be Washington. Another pretty solid test. USC has three really tough games. I don't know if they'll go unscathed, but if they do, it's going to be tough to leave them out. It, it will be, but it's going to come down to resumes. Who believes they have the biggest, the best resume? And that's where where the Big Ten is right now could really hurt either Ohio State or Michigan. Not a lot of quality wins in the conference. Yeah, no doubt. All right, let's get back on the Wolverines. Our guest today is Ronnie Bell, so let's dedicate number seven on our seven from 77 to him. We talked about the impact of the seniors and the leaders, the veterans in this program. Ronnie Bell right up at the top, and you think about what he's done over the last couple of years, needing to to take a back seat on the field, obviously, because of the injury. He was still someone... A ton of guys cited for his leadership, his ability to help the guys last season, and for him to be able to come back and play. Man, the the legacy that Ronnie Bell leaves, whether or not he stays for, what would you say, two degrees and some (laughs) PhD work, and maybe he'll take over as the president for a little while. Mm -hmm. Uh, No matter how long he stays, there are a few who have the unique and the impactful legacy that Ronnie Bell has here. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about a captain, you're talking about what he was able to do last year. Now this year, the leading receiver uh, coming off of that injury, a reliable target. I know he dropped one this past weekend against Nebraska, but when J.J. McCarthy is looking downfield on third down, he's looking for Luke Schoonmaker 
or Ronnie Bell. And when you have that confidence in a receiver, not just for him to be able to catch the ball, to get open, get first down yardage, catch the ball, but then it's the yards after the catch. It's the way he fights. It's And here's the other thing is – the way that he has set the tone in that wide receiving room for blocking downfield. Blake Corum, who is a Heisman candidate, a lot of his runs are benefited by the fact that whether it's Ronnie Bell, Cornelius Johnson, Roman Wilson, they're downfield blocking, and that tone is certainly set by Ronnie Bell. So I hope everybody gets a chance to enjoy Ronnie Bell and the conversation that we had, and we'll talk to you on the other end. Now joined by Michigan Captain Ronnie Bell. And Ronnie, this is this is a week where, and especially the next two weeks, where you really got to fine-tune things. And as a captain, leadership becomes important. How have, how have you stepped up what you're doing at practice? And just whether it's verbal, whether it's just showing guys how to work, how are you leading in these final couple weeks of the regular season? Um, I definitely think... Uh you know, in these last couple of weeks, fine tune is definitely the best way to describe, um, you know, the focus and like the attack point. And yeah, I think my biggest um, stamp, uh, the way I try to show guys and uh, um, show guys how to how to approach these next two weeks is definitely just in my practice habits and my uh, pre- preparation habits, um, turning things up in practice, practicing harder, practicing detailed. And um, yeah, like my favorite way to do that with guys is showing them. When you're looking at film for Illinois, what is it that you see with this Illinois defense? What are you guys trying to work on to get better just as as a receiving room? I mean, it'll definitely be a challenge. Just uh, I think it's uh, a challenge that everybody's really excited for. Um, you know, just looking at them right off the board, you know, uh, first thing you notice is that they're playing man-to-man coverage. And um, considering that they have a top defense in the country right now to be running around playing man-to-man coverage the whole time, I think uh, – Receiver room is, you know, really excited to step up to the plate and um, uh, attack this challenge. You know what I mean? So um, I think as a receiving room, uh, that's just probably the most exciting part about turning on the film and seeing the film. When you when you mentioned that the the you know the man to man coverage, they've also got some guys over there that are being talked about as draft picks. How much does it excite you to be able to go against guys that? are being talked about playing on Sunday and you get a chance to show up against them. Right. I mean, I feel like that's what it's all about. Um, from that's like, I feel like that's what you would always want as a, as a, a competitor and as a, just a opposition team. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to play somebody that when, you know, uh, the next level turns on the film, like they're not really worried about who you're playing. Like you want the next level to turn your film and see you against the best guys and the guys that they want. So I think, uh, as a competitor, that's all you could ask for. The, the running game has been outstanding. You guys as a wide receiving car, core are a huge part of that, being able to get blocks downfield. Has that been a hard thing to sustain throughout the course of this year when it, there's bumps and bruises and you're, you're, some guys may think, hey, I, you know, I could take a playoff here. How, how hard is it for you to keep that intensity in the run game all season long? Right. Yeah. I think the biggest, the biggest thing is the intensity, um, that you have to remind yourself of, you know, like taking plays for granted, taking plays off. Um, the, the best part about uh, our receiving room is I feel like guys really, um, take pride in all of that. So therefore, you know, nobody want, nobody is taking the game for granted. Nobody is taking plays off. 
and uh, the intensity stays up in the room, uh, no matter the call. And I think that's probably my favorite part about the room. Um, the deep passing game. It hasn't been with JJ and, and with the talent that we have at receiver, we always thought going into the season, this is going to be a huge part of the game. And is it just that because the running game has gone so well, we haven't needed it or what needs to happen to get that flowing a little bit more in terms of the stat line? Uh, I definitely feel like it's a mixture of the two, um, you know, with how well we are or we have been with running the ball. You know what I mean? Uh, definitely like the opportunities aren't there as often because of um, what we're doing. But um, definitely still need, of course, room for improvement because when we have done it, we've missed. So, like, you know what I mean? We just uh, – and I think uh, as a receiver room and as an offense, like it's, 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 it's exciting to see, like, turn on the tape and see that we're playing well. But then also, like, it's exciting to know that, like, there's more levels for us to, uh, to reach, more uh, more surface stuff for us to get a hold of. So, um, How hard is it, knowing what is to come that last Saturday in November, to stay focused on this opponent and this week? Um, it definitely it, – it's something I actually thought about this weekend for, like, really I feel like the first time, you know what I mean, like realizing how close it is, like how – how um, you know this all? You know what you game, what you dream of, what you're planning for, what you're talking about all off season, all season, and now you know to be that close. It's it is hard. Like it, it's this weekend was when I was like, okay, like we're here. But Monday it was very clear in the in the uh, in the building that like that's not the focus yet, though. You know what I mean? Like it's exciting that it's here, but that's not that's not where we're heads at now because we have to take care of Illinois first. Did the end of the season sneak up on you? Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, last week, you know, the receivers just us talking about it. It's just like, man, like, like, wow. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's <laughs> just, oh, so we got three, we only got three left. of them left. Like, and now, you know, they only have two. That definitely, like, I feel like, uh, I feel like big, like Big Ten, like after we got done with like the first three games, like once we got into Big Ten, like it was over. I mean, just like that. Now we're at the end. There's still a lot of football to be played, but this is the last home game. Last time in the big house, and for some guys, it's their it's it's senior day, right? Mm. It's their last time. How important is it for to send those guys out with a win? Yeah, I feel like that's uh, very important, um, especially with how successful we've been and uh, defending the big house, uh, especially over the last two years. Um, and so, like as seniors, um, we definitely want to leave the big house with a good taste in our mouth. There's a quote that's going around football where it is hey be where your feet are and mm -hmm. it's been attributed to you where did you come up with that where'd you hear it and, and what does it mean to you um I don't I'm not sure where I heard it I know I've heard it before um but I, I just remember it kind of coming to me uh probably a, f a handful of weeks ago uh when I was talking with uh coach Harbaugh just about like the receiver room and um, just the offense, you know, like what we were good at and trying to, you know, trying to get better. And uh, like the biggest thing was just like whatever the play, whatever the play is called or whatever our certain situation is like the biggest the biggest thing is being where your feet are at. And so like um, in particular, like right now, the biggest um, explanation of like being where your feet is, is uh, preparing for Illinois, like Ohio State's around the corner. That's what we've always talked about. But our feet right now are weak. 11 getting ready for Illinois and that's where your feet got to be at that's where you got to be at you got to be because you can't you can't look you can't look past where you are because you're not there <laughs> <laughs> um Thanksgiving's coming up you got anything special going on for Thanksgiving 
Um, not 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 quite yet. I haven't planned that far ahead. <laughs> Your feet aren't there yet. Yeah, my feet aren't there yet, so I haven't I haven't planned that far ahead. But uh, so hopefully I'll do something. As we get closer to it, I'm I'm going to start asking the guys this: What is your favorite thing about Thanksgiving? Uh man, definitely just uh just being around the family. Um, rather that rather that's my family or last year I was with uh, a teammate Matt Torres' family. Just being around family and that whole aspect of just uh just the genuine love and like a room and enjoying good food and then football on like there's, there's just a lot of wins and going on on Thanksgiving. What's the favorite side dish? Uh, definitely uh, sweet potatoes. Yeah. Okay. Sweet potatoes. Now I've seen it. Sweet potatoes done a couple of ways that some, some of them have those little marshmallows in there. Uh huh. That'll do it. You got to Yeah. Gotta that's that's good right there. Yeah. That's a good, that's, that's, that's probably okay. the best way to do it. <laughs> The Ronnie Bell Marshmallows. All right. Uh, hey, I appreciate it. Best of luck as you guys get ready for um, the the fighting Illini coming to town. Oh, one last one. I know that anytime somebody plays Michigan, right, that's for a lot of programs, that's their biggest game of the year. If they, They're going to measure themselves by how they play against Michigan. It's not going to be any different for Illinois, even though Illinois has a chance to win the Big Ten West. How do you guys handle – getting everybody's best shot um especially uh this week I, I saw something with the 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 west side that like all of those teams are even yeah so like none of those teams can afford to lose so uh you know illinois definitely is going to come in and play the best brand of football for um this game and I, yeah I, every game it feels like no matter what the team definitely throws their best shot um or has thrown their best shot and uh, I just think uh, our team prepares so well throughout the week that, uh, you know, it's almost like preparing for, like, any situation. So, like, when things do get ugly um, in the first half or whenever it is, um, the communication, like, once we kind of figure out, like, what it was that made it what it is, um, I think we – with our preparation throughout the week, it is what makes Saturdays, like, so smooth – once we do take the shots, it really feels like there's a game day is a business like feel where you guys go out and it's just hey chopping wood throughout the course of the game. Is that what you mean when you're talking about hey the work that we do during the week is what sets us sets us up for success? Yes, without a doubt. Um, the, I mean, just the amount of uh, energy and effort that goes into every game plan, every practice, every period, every rep. I mean up and down from the, the top of the top from coach Harbaugh down to our nutritionist. Um, like every, everybody's putting in extreme amount of effort throughout the week. Ronnie, appreciate it. Uh, and then uh, enjoy the weekend. Yes. Thank you very much. Well, thanks to Ronnie, Captain Ronnie Bell. Excited to always get a chance to talk to those guys and excited for him to experience this 10-0 season after having set out last year. I hope that the, the final two games go as planned and he gets a chance to go to Indianapolis and play in a Big Ten championship game. But uh, thanks to him for his time. Thanks to you as the listener for always tuning in. Make sure you stay tuned in here as we have so much coming throughout the week. All you got to do is check out MGO blue podcast whether it's the athletic department basketball football you get all your information right there and we'll talk to you next week on in the trenches thanks for listening to this edition of in the trenches with john jansen presented by meyer presenting sponsor of the 2022 michigan football season and proud supporter of hundreds of local sports teams across the midwest 
In the Trenches is part of our Michigan Athletics Podcast Network, MGo Blue Podcasts. The preceding is a Learfield presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.